0: Good morning. I'm Tim Neubauer, and welcome to the Safety Unlocked Morning Podcast. And I'm Chet Huffman. And I'm Dave Bittner. Today is Monday, April 24,
1: 2023.
0: Our morning podcasts are focused on current safety topics.
1: Here's a quick rundown of today's events. Today is World Bucket
0: List Day. Well, I got a long one, but I don't think I can do any of them today. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that was uh, a honey-do list. My bad. <laughs> To,
1: you gotta keep them. You gotta keep them separated there, Tim. I, well, out, of, uh, out
0: of curiosity, Chad, what's your? Uh, give me one of your bucket list items. I, I do not have one.
1: I am not a bucket list guy. I never have been. Just, I don't know. Just not a thing, Dave. What about you? Your bucket list? Yeah, guy? I, I don't. I don't have anything you'd call
2: a bucket list. I mean, yeah, there's some things I might want to do, but. You know, I'm pretty content where I am. Um, I lived that life of adventure when I was younger, and now I'm just old and
0: tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dave, I I mean, you 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 and I have traveled the globe. We got that, but like for me, I never spent enough time in uh, um, in in the UK. So I would love to ride a bicycle across ireland now i'm never going to ride a bicycle across ireland but i would like to go visit there maybe do one of those one day bike excursions that's my idea of a bucket list item sure there's you know, there's a couple things i'd like to do. i'd love to
2: see like ireland or you know a couple you know scotland you know a couple of those deals but um is it something that that i just sit there and wring my hands about no if i if i don't do it in life uh, i don't feel like yep. i've missed
0: something but uh but yeah, I mean, I can I can appreciate the bucket list yeah. thing. It's okay maybe, to drink. maybe can. go back to uh, Germany and and practice just sprechen Sie Deutsch.
1: Yeah, <laughs> mein <mine, laughs> <mine> Deutsch holen. <Fiederhund. laughs> <laughs> we also have today National Pigs in a Blanket Day.
0: Now, Chad, you grew up down here in North Carolina, and Dave, you're yeah. uh, you're outside of uh, Philly. In Wisconsin, this is a big thing. Pigs in a blanket is like a staple of food. I wouldn't say in popularity, it's not too far behind like pizza for like the the snack food. I mean, every Sunday when the when the Packers play there at the uh, bar, you're going to get uh, pigs in a blanket there. You know eh? <laughs> Being from Wisconsin, I can mock myself my accent.
2: So I, you know, I grew up not even knowing what pigs in the blanket was because well, my mom used to call pigs in the blanket. Nobody else does. What do you call pigs in the blanket? Describe it.
0: It is the little mini hot dog wrapped up in a uh, croissant roll, but they have full-size ones that do the same thing. Sometimes in my house, if we were, you know, my dad and mom were feeling very uh, uh, wealthy, we would do the Smoky links in a blanket rather than the mini hot dogs in a blanket. But with eight kids, that was a tremendous cost. So what what they used to call pigs in a blanket in my household, and I'm, I'm sure it's
2: wrong because nobody calls it that, but for some reason we did. Mom used to make pork meatballs wrapped in cabbage so most people would just call it stuffed cabbage but that's what she used to call pigs in the blanket so i grew up the whole time thinking that was pigs in the blanket and then people give me this weenie stuffed in the freaking in a
0: biscuit or whatever
1: and tell me it's pigs (laughs) in the blanket i'm like no it's not
0: that bear's googling (laughs) at some point today (laughs) It really does. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, Ross, up to almost 16,000 downloads on the Safety Unlock podcast. I don't know if you guys had also awesome. looked at those stats. So, uh, thank you all to all of our listeners, and we'd love to hear from you on morning topics. Um, or we'd also have, love uh, a five, like star review, yeah. five star review, please. Yeah. Five star review. Five star reviews are nice too. So, yeah, this is amazing. I, I did not anticipate this big, this fast. So, thank you again. And five star reviews are very much appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, we got two more things today.
1: We'll mention them uh, quickly before we get into today's topic. It is also International Noise Awareness Day. And then uh, something we look to talk about later will be uh, Workers Memorial Day. Uh, International Noise Awareness Day, I should say, is going to be on the 26th. Workers Memorial Day is on the 28th.
0: We're, we're actually going to spend the 28th talking about the Workers Memorial Day. Um Around the world and different things that our people are are doing. So yeah, that's going to be a, a pretty um, uh, full day for us there. Good. Well, today's topic is getting buy-in. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I'll be doing today is I'm going to be uh, visiting a client site uh, where a um, where one of their leaders um, took a question uh, that I asked about something safety in a way that I was uh, attacking them. Uh, and, um, it was a simple question of, Hey, is this piece of equipment yours? Uh, it was in a, um, potentially unsafe state, but it was not being used. It could have been broken. It could have been out of service and there was no one near it. It was not going to be used. And the simple question is this yours, uh, and, and, uh, very defensive. And, um, so I'm going to go out there today and try and get buy-in. Now, um, one of the things that exceeds safety that I train all of our people, uh, all of our team to do is that your title is a safety sal- salesperson. You are selling people going home alive tonight, and in most cases, it's free for them because they're not the one paying uh, the consulting bill. And and sometimes it's just a hard sell. Now I got to tell you, this is uh, and, and and I say this and 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 uh, safety people and managers, you are going to laugh. Uh, rank and file craft people, tradespeople, workers, you're not going to laugh. But if you've ever been in management, you know management is more about hurting kittens hurting kittens than it is about um apparently one of my uh, my my uh, dogs is did not like that hurting kitten state hurting Australian <laughs> shepherds uh uh it, it it's it's difficult uh people react the wrong way they interpret things differently than you said them um and we talk about making people safe they're resistant because i've been doing this way for 40 freaking years guys talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges you have with getting buy-in uh, amongst uh people that have worked for you or that you have a supervisory role in. Oh wow, which one? Um <laughs> so <laughs> we can start with Grace and the Cat and see how good you do with that one. Well, the, the you know if you uh, I I've had uh I've had a couple startups that I've
2: worked on and uh um, I've had some uh existing business that I worked on, usually a startup uh, if if you start a program from the get-go, I'd say it's a little easier. Um, there's still pushback on most things. But when you're in an entrenched environment, that becomes a little more difficult because you get the, we've always done it this way. We haven't died yet. And I'll look at those people and I'll say, you know who says they haven't died yet? The person who died. So they never say they haven't died yet, right? <laughs> so, right. Yep. I mean that that that's part of the thing. So you know, uh, it, you you have to attack it from different angles. Sometimes it's not the straight-on safety approach. Sometimes it's convincing them that uh, uh that production will not be slowed, that you're not going to impede their progress, that there's there's a way to do things that can actually be safe and efficient. Um, it's just a time factor. So. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest one is we've always done it this way, and who are you to come in and tell us to do it differently,
1: Chad? What do you exactly. think? Yeah, I yeah I think that's that is the biggest one. This is the way we've always done it. Don't you know? Don't challenge the status quo. Um, I found it too to be the case. I think that there's always there's always a culture. Maybe it's safety culture. Maybe it's not. And there's usually always, maybe I'll use a fancy word this morning. You know, a lot of times there's an architect of the culture and typically you want that Bible leader. Yeah. You know, you, there is a leader of that culture and and you hope that, you know, depending on if you've come in, if you come in on the job and, and it's already kind of uh, settled, you're like, I'm hoping that this culture has been established by management or leadership and this person has balled in. But that's the, that seems to be the test and that seems to be the case that sometimes it's not. And so you're trying to identify this person and then you're trying to be like, how, how can we work together? How, how can I come alongside you or come to you in such a way where I really need you to do this and understand this is important? But how could I even do it in such a way where you still feel like you have autonomy in the situation so that you can lead your people even though I'm trying to lead you without you feeling, without you feeling like that, you know, and trying to um, trying to balance that line um, is tough, you know, because at the end of the day, you still need them to, you know, comply with these safety things and see that that's important and get everybody uh, on the job, or it's gonna it can make for and some. Really that's the first that I
2: look for, and that person is usually not an official leader yeah that's right but i find it's good to give them leadership responsibility when it comes to safety yep. they've yep. already got that kind of the tribal leader thing going on so they they have some they have some leadership skills they may be rough and going in not quite the right direction but that's usually the person i'll kind of get in there and i'll massage and i'll kind of work on them and and make them feel like hey this is an important role for you you're a leader everybody's going to look up to you so you know this is something that you can lead the way on and since they already gravitate towards that um it tends to work pretty well tim what do you think what have you seen
0: (laughs) again um find that uh, you guys are spot on because you're um you're looking for what I call the cheerleader in in the world of management of change, which is a, a huge concept in quality and safety. Uh, Six Sigma is, is based on that as well of management of change. You build your organization so that it can change in order to get change, get that buy-in um, there's, there's a, if you take the, the total group of people, there is the, what I would call the affection 10% of cheerleaders, the 80% of the masses, and then the 10% of the negative Nellies, who you're never going to convince. And I think what you guys are, are describing is that 10% of the cheerleaders. So if you get those those natural leaders and you get them to start selling safety to the 80%, then it gets a lot easier to get buy in. Um, absolutely. Now let's talk about um, what are some strategies that we can use. So for me, I am driving roughly two hours one way, two hours the other way. So four hours round trip today to have a 30 minute conversation one-on-one. If you've ever read the book, the five languages of appreciation, you're going to uh, find uh, uh, that there are five ways people like to be rewarded or acknowledged. And one of them was quality time. Um, and so what I'm going to give that person today is quality time. Um, the owner of a consulting company is going to drive a long way, stop, sit down in front of him uh, and say, here's why I asked the question. Here's the desired outcome. Here's what I perceive would happen. Let's talk about this. And that that I'm hoping will get him to see that this was a, a positive event rather than the negative event it was. I'm very big on figuring out what motivates people back to my original statement is uh, everybody's a safety salesperson. You are selling people going home alive tonight. Uh, Dave, what are some of your selling items that you use uh, when you're trying to get convince people to not put their finger in the hole, which is one of my favorite euphemisms. You can't stop people from putting their finger in the hole. Well, uh, you know, it depends. Is the, the
2: the acceptable level of risk, right? This is something that you will uh, that that if you haven't heard uh, Tim talk about this, Chad, this is something Tim will talk about quite often. That uh, that uh, different people have an acceptable level of risk that they're willing to take on the job to get the job done, and some of it's uh, uh, background-driven or culturally-driven. And it depends. So that's that's one of the things you have to look at. You kind of have to. uh, So what I'll do, Tim, to your point is uh, I I will speak to the person and kind of feel them out and see what kind of person they are. If they're a real driven person, they're about get it done, get it done, get it done. I will appeal to their wallet. So I'll take the indirect approach, appeal to their wallet and say, look, man, if you're if you're if you're laid up. Or even if you're, uh, you know, you're getting short-term disability, you're not, you're getting no paycheck or only part of your paycheck. And that sounds kind of coarse, but it's an indirect way to get them to to buy in. Um, then other people, you could say, hey, if you stick your finger in there, it's going to hurt. You're going to, you won't have that finger anymore. You know, if, if that's the one you pick your nose with, this is going to be a problem. All right? <laughs> so, uh <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just saying, you know, I mean, those are those are some of the approaches I'll take. Right. Chad, you want to hear the story about acceptable level of risk? I can see the look on your face. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm familiar with the concept. I don't know. I think I maybe heard you mention it before. Tell, tell us the story we want to hear.
0: So I'm uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm the uh, I have eight, uh, seven siblings or eight of us. and I am the youngest and all of my brothers look like ZZ Top okay, Uh, and ride Harleys, and I, clean-shaven and never owned a motorcycle in my life, and people say, it's obvious you're a safety guy, but I wasn't a safety guy at 16, 18, 22, I was still running wild, sowing my oats, and um, uh, when people ask why, I say acceptable level of risk had a consequence, so people who are allowed to do unsafe behaviors, going back to managers, herding kittens, herding chickens, Uh, You know, um, if you allow an unsafe behavior, it becomes norm, becomes acceptable. And then it actually escalates. Not wearing your safety glasses when you're walking between the bathroom and your machine will turn into not wearing your safety glasses while you're working on the machine very easily. Um, So for me, my negative consequences, we're talking late 60s, early 70s here. uh, My dad had bought a mini bike for us kids and a go-kart. And uh, the Mini had a a safety device to get the side called a muffler. And it was a piece of three-quarter-inch galvanized pipe. And again, folks, if you grew up in the 60s and 70s, you know what I'm talking about. And this thing was cherry red with heat. And I uh, uh, that muffler. And you had to, like, hold your leg in a different position so you didn't burn it. And um, I personally had a hard time with the throttle, the clutch, and the heel and toe shifting up or down. There was just a lot going on for me as a kid and one time i was trying to get it in gear and i was going and and trying and the clutches pulled anyway i lost all forward momentum okay trying to shift and when it and then it just like just leaned over blammo and that pipe burned onto my leg so they were connected and i could not pull them off and of course, my brothers and sisters went inside and told Dad. Dad comes outside, and you know, once again, if you had a dad in the '60s and '70s, you you know exactly what the next line is. Well, you broke the mini bike. Not that you're hurt, but you broke the mini bike. So they had to take a saw and cut off a hacksaw uh, and cut off uh, the pipe, and take me to the emergency room where they cut it all off. And I don't remember any any of that stuff. But to me, it was a very negative experience and i never wanted to ride a motorcycle again and therefore i got on the go-kart and the go-kart held people that could sit with you and you can put your arm around them and then life just revolved right on for cars for me rather than motorcycles because that acceptable level of risk was no longer there there was consequences you know i remember riding my bicycle and jumping off those ramps and i jumped off those ramps four or five times and then i did a bad jump and I ended up getting stitches and then I didn't jump off those ramps anymore. You know, uh, I was much more into like slalom racing with my bicycle. That's the, that's now it seems kind of funny. And you guys are kind of laughing at my stupidity as a teenager or as a, or as a preteen at that point with the mini bike, but no, I think I did all that too, but we grew up in the same area. So. <laughs> so, so it's all like sounds when you allow familiar. an employee to do an at-risk behavior that raises their level of acceptable risk. And at some point, you know, I'll take this to the point. I don't want to say absurdity to the, to the ultimate point of if I asked you, both of you guys to raise your hand, would you sit on top of a Titan II missile and let me launch it? Raise your hand. <laughs> Folks, no. no one's raising their hand, okay? <laughs> Yet there's a group of people called astronauts who spend the vast majority of their adult life working towards put me on top of a missile and hit the launch button. Their acceptable level of risk is much higher than ours because they're normally test pilots. You know, they're, they're, they're fighter jet pilots. That, that was what started these guys, these, these people, uh, uh, guys being a euphemism for, for people um, have the right stuff, you know, and we don't, I mean, um, I have a hard time with heights when we start getting the 50 story range. I start worrying more about the ground than I do about what I'm doing on a, on a skyscraper that's being erected. You know, I, that's my acceptable level of risk. I guess at 49 floor, floors, I think I can catch myself, but 50, I can't. So it's very personal based on your personal experience. And supervisors have a huge role in affecting buy-in and saying, hey, this is not acceptable.
2: Well, I got two points, Tim. My first point is that, you know, what your dad said was that you broke the mini bike, but he proved that he really loved <laughs> you because he cut off the pipe and not something else. There you <laughs> the go. <morning> to you. <laughs> and, and took you to get medical care. Um, so yeah, it it brings to the point, it brings me around to the uh I call it building a callous point too. So um I always say nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm gonna go to work today. I'm gonna do the worst job I could ever do because you know I'm a stinker and that's what I'm gonna do. I, you know, I'm gonna do whatever I want. I'm just gonna throw a monkey wrench into works. No, nobody says that. Every, everybody says, you know what? I'm a great worker. I'm going to do a good job. And they think in their mind, they're doing the best job. So you come back to um, the standard is whatever you allow in your presence. So as a supervisor, as a leader, whatever you're allowing to go on in your presence is the standard. You, you your... can't stop it all at once. Um, so you have to move forward and the, the best best thing to do is if there's not immediate risk is to go back and keep making corrections in a very subtle way. Like, um, Hey man, I need you to put your, your safety glasses on. Cause you're cutting. I don't want you to hurt your eye and then leave and so, show up at different uh, intervals. Right. So they don't expect you to come and they're going to want to, they're going to want to do the right job. They're going to want to be doing the right thing and recognize for doing the right thing. So, Sooner or later, you're coming by and they have them on. You don't have to think about it. They don't expect you at a regular interval. So when you're not there, guess what they're doing? They're making sure their safety glasses on. And now you can develop a habit with them. So that's sure. another
0: approach. So uh, you actually had uh, uh, almost quoted uh, a concept from DuPont's STOP training program, uh, which we're delivering for, <clears throat> for a client in, uh, in Illinois um, and uh, California. Uh, and they're, they're, one of those philosophies is your minimum standard for safety is their maximum standard for safety. And you, yeah. you, you nailed that, that concept on there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on. Yeah. It, it, it works. It's a little more difficult in construction because
2: it's so decentralized. So, you know, it takes more time. You have to have more exposure to those different groups of people out in the field, than you would have in general industry, where you're saying, seeing the same group every day. So if you're if you're a consultant who goes around and you do various uh, site inspections, it's going to take a little more time and a little more patience. But when you, you know when you're in like a, a plant or a factory environment, then you've got the same group of people, so you can be more and more consistent and get it done quicker if you approach it the right way.
1: Yeah, that made me think of. So, in being in the restaurant industry for so long, we we would do that, but we we always had the, you know, I don't want to say the card that we would play like we're manipulating them, but there was the very real sense of I need you, I need you to be safe right now when I can I come back into the kitchen because there's a lot of things happening, but also we're preparing food for people, so now it's not only your safety, it's the safety of thousands of people who are going to come through today right And, and if we're in the morning if we're in the morning shift it's like you might be prepping some things now that they're going to use this afternoon so even when your shift is over what you've done is going to impact the dozen of people coming in on the next shift plus whoever's going to be coming by this afternoon And so it's there would be a lot of times where we'd go in at regular or different intervals, just check in, even on the smallest of details. Hey, did you sanitize this? Are we using the right instrument or tool here? You've got to watch the, you know, the the spill on this oil is the oven, you know, all of these things you would think about. Um, And we just had to just come alongside them and be like, listen, I'm not trying to like nitpick you about these things. I'm on your team we're doing the same thing. But when I am at the the front of the house, so to speak, and you're in the back, I, I need you to be saying these things as well, helping all of us be safe. So, you know, everybody's taken care of.
0: Excellent. Excellent conversation this morning, guys. I wanted to, uh, thank you all and yay. Everybody made it back in again for work. Uh, um, uh, we were running uh, two out of three most of uh, last week in one way or the other, and all three of the team are back again. Uh, that wraps up this episode of Safety Unlocked, the morning show. I'm Tim Neubauer with Chad Huffman and Dave Bittner. I'm Dave Bittner. And remember, safety is everyone's
2: business.
1: Everyone have a safe week.
0: You've been listening to Safety Unlocked, a podcast for safety people by safety people. Brought to you by... Exceed Safety, visit our website at ExceedSafetyLLC.com or call us at 919-728-Safe. Exceed Safety LLC.